Like Call It What You Want, which we know is your favorite podcast about the beautiful game, Viore is committed to delivering a great experience for everyone, which is highlighted by their new perspective on performance apparel. Everything is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. In fact, I'm rocking their Stratotech polo right now, along with their Sunday performance jogger pants, so I can be business on top when I'm on camera, but super comfortable on the bottom. And it's just the best. Fiori gear is incredibly versatile, and it can be used for just about any activity. Running, training, swimming, lounging around, hosting podcasts, doing errands, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. And for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash call it. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash call it. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash call it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. going on in Soccer We Trust YouTube fam. And guess what? We had part one of the mailbag, but because everybody loves mailbag episodes, we're going to give you a part two. And that's because we received a lot of questions, which means we know that a lot more of you are listening than we probably think. Anyway, hit like and subscribe and let's get after it. Yes. What is up, everybody? And welcome to Danny Caleb's favorite podcast. It's Soccer We Trust. I'm Jimmy Trashcan, Cream Cheese Conradinho alongside only Hollywood Heath Pierce once again because Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies is playing a little hooky, everybody. He just doesn't like the mailbag episodes. I don't even know what to tell you. So if you have any specific questions for Chuck, make sure you go crush his Twitter handle or leave him questions in uh, the DMs and Instagram. And just I will crush him. Jesus. You crush him. You uh. crush him. Anyway, we are doing a special mailbag episode. This is part two because part one was so much fun and we're ready to get after it. Once again, we got a lot of questions, Heath. Are you ready? How are you feeling, by the way? Temperature check. I am feeling pretty good. Um, you know, uh, the last mailbag, I uh, did a little dancing around some answers. Feel like we answered some directly <laughs> as well. Um, we also got a lot of questions, which means people clearly don't know how big idiots we are, not generally, you know. Uh, they're, That's true. They're coming to us for advice. So just keep that in mind when we answer you. We are... Um, experts in our own minds um and we hope that you guys enjoy our answers but if hey, don't not, sell us just don't attack sell us charlie completely. attack charlie easy yeah uh, if, charlie's if, the if, one charlie here. is the charlie is the, the customer service department you know so if there's uh, some issues <laughs> yeah direct he's it also at hr him. too so he's hr yeah. and customer service he's got a lot of, a lot of hats that's how he affords yeah. all the houses let's be honest well, he's compliant he's financial compliance too which is why he's <laughs> able to move all that money around and have all those homes you know <laughs> i actually asked a question on iswt pod when they asked if anybody questions for fans about how Charlie's mortgages have been impacted by all the inflation <laughs> going on. <laughs> and I still want him to answer that. So we're going to have to have a yeah, special Charlie-only mailback episode. All right, so first question here. 
Does U.S. media coverage set the expectations for casuals of the beautiful game too high? Or or they do it enough to be interested and watch in record-breaking numbers, but then feel underwhelmed by, and this person, A-Wolf said, in my opinion, our average performance. So so in that vein, what are our way too early expectations for 2026? I guess I'll answer that quickly. And and I'll say this in the fact of, again, I, I went to that semifinal against Morocco and I saw a Moroccan team that looked like they belonged there. And I feel like everybody is wanting that from our national team, right? Lose, lose in the round of 16, lose in the quarterfinals, but look like you belong there. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I feel like when we lost to Netherlands, we didn't look like we belonged there for long periods, right? We couldn't, we looked like the minnow among sharks. And even though there was some moments and, and, and we showed some, some quality, it was like a game that was almost like insurmountable in a lot of ways, right? In terms of like when you, when you just, when you watch it and you break it down over and over. And so I feel like we set that expectation, the media sets a very high expectation, which they should, because this is a wildly talented with a number of players that are bordering on world-class. Um, and I want to see us lose. If we lose at any point, I want to see us lose in the right way. I want us to see us. And that doesn't mean like, you know, play wide open, but it's more like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's how I talk about Croatia or Morocco. These, and, and again, it's really easy to say that because they're both semifinalists, right? And, and that's a massive achievement for both those nations. But to, to play with that, that uh, spirit of like, we belong here. We are not the underdog always. And even if we are, we are going to look like we match up well with you. And it's going to come down to a few moments. And we're going to leave the field knowing that well, we, we might have won that one um, if our things f- fell our way. So I feel like expectations should be high. Um, and I think that we can rest easy if that is the case in which we don't achieve the ultimate goal of winning the World Cup uh, in 26. Yeah, shout out to Canada who lost to both Croatia and Morocco. <laughs> Zing! Um, you know, obviously after after more. after being better than Belgium and going up against Croatia at the start of the game, I was like, wow, these guys are gonna these guys are. Actually I know, I know. I, I was really proud of Canada and how they performed, especially against Belgium. And then maybe John Herdman drank a little bit too much of his Kool-Aid about after that performance and then ran into a team kind of similar to another one's like, wait, 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 tap the brakes. We're going to show you what this, yeah. this really looks like and not some image crisis or identity crisis. And Croatia, so. similar to, similar to, to um, uh, Morocco, had an identity, right? Everybody mm-hmm. was like, oh, these guys are too old. They can't do this in another World Cup. Well, they showed their age and the way that they played completely disciplined and smart, right? And I think, again, that's an identity thing. And, and, and so I think... We all kind of yeah. want that. We all crave that. It's kind of the American totally, totally. spirit for a lot of people to crave identity in a lot of ways, you know? Okay, so to answer this first question from A. Wolf, and this is a good one. Does U.S. media coverage set the expectations for casuals too high? I think that there's two things going on when the World Cup comes around, and some of it is hype. And some of that is merited because we have incredible, incredibly talented teams. You got LeBron and, James in soccer, man. That's Christian Pulisic, yes. isn't it? Well, yeah, huh. but I, th- I think that's important. You need people yeah. to want to watch, and you have to get them excited about what they're going to watch. And then they're probably at times where there's conversations where we're overhyping some of the guys or the team overall and not maybe looking at it as practically as we can. And But but I don't know. Do, do you lose interest as a casual? I think the casuals are starting to become a little bit more... I mean, me. I don't know. I guess it depends on how we're defining casuals, but but it, this seems like there's a better understanding of the game overall and and kind of where we stand within it. And sometimes there could be moments where we we talk down to the casuals when they don't need to be talked down to anymore. And I and I think that's going to evolve as as things continue to progress. And I think there's going to be a lot of run up and runway to this 2026 World Cup because we're hosting it. 
And so I think there's going to be a lot of good conversation about, about that. But I do think that there's an element of hype, and there should be. And, and that's exciting. I, I want – I remember there was uh, – ahead of the 2006 World Cup. We were on – we were on Letterman. Okay, so David Letterman was doing his thing, and they had a bit about the World – the 2006 World Cup team just got announced. And his joke was, and let's cheer for this guy. And how about that guy? And who is this guy? You know, and I, I was one of the photos and it was super funny and the crowd was loving it. And, and I, it was, I was honored to be on Letterman, <laughs> right? In that capacity, even though he's making fun. But, but I think it's important that we still give the hype and, and to, to inform the casuals as to who's on the team, why they're important and tell their stories. And I think that we're doing a better job of that. Whereas maybe 2006, we weren't because we got totally zinged on uh, Letterman. Which uh, was still a big thrill for me. My dad watched Letterman and, well, did when he was on every single night. Um, so there's like a proud family moment for me. So I think there's an element of that that's mixed in with expectations. And that's why I bring it up. With regard to expectations for 2026, I have said this before. And this is maybe a little bit too far. But obviously, there's a lot that can change. And we have a player pool that's continuing to broaden and be more talented and get more experiences and all this stuff. I want us to get into the semifinals, but, but, and I expect us to, that's my personal expectation because of what I've seen from this world cup, from what I've seen from this player pool, from what I've seen from what's coming and just where I think we're naturally evolving. Now it's not easy. We've talked about it before. Italy hasn't even qualified for the last two world cups. England got to a final and got knocked into the quarterfinals. This world cup, you have Belgium that crashed out. You got Spain that lost in the round of 16. You got Portugal that couldn't even get to a semifinal. It's not going to be easy. And then on top of that, we have 48 teams, which I think they're going to now switch into four groups of 12 instead of doing 16 groups of three. And that's going to add, it adds more overall games. Four. You said you had that backwards. You said uh, four groups of 12, which is pretty funny. That's pretty awesome. We should have four groups of 12. <laughs> 12 groups of four. Can we switch to that? I'm going to, I'm going to write a strongly worded letter to FIFA and see uh, if we can do four groups of 12. But, but hear me out. Hear me out here. But I think that that it's just not that straightforward. And I think it really yeah. speaks to what Heath was saying before about can we establish an identity and can we handle playing the way that we want, playing the way that we know that we're capable of and being proud of how we're performing and not looking out of place, not looking outclassed. And maybe it just doesn't go our way on the day. I think we can all accept that. But if we France haven't been as good as I wanted, they weren't as good as I as I had hoped in terms of like the quality they have on the, the field. Final. I expect them to smoke everyone. Argentina. They, these teams are, uh, uh, what's the word, like, industrious. They're like, they, 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 they're just smart. They get their leads and they know how to protect them. They're not playing wide open in the way that we watch the big Champions League matches and like the quarters and semis where you're like, wow, these are superstar teams. Even though they are superstar teams, they haven't been unreal in my expectations, but they're in the finals. Uh, you know, right. they reach the finals. So anyway, I don't know if we answered your question directly, but I think that there has to be some acceptance especially with American media and sports media in general of hyping up our players, which I think we should. It's part of the marketing machine. But then you hope that this hype is warranted and that the players have deserved this hype. And, and then, uh, you know, hopefully that all goes hand in hand and the hype is, is, uh, gets matched, right? And your expectations get met. But I just don't think it's going to be as straightforward as, as that. So I think we should have some some expectations of or general overall themes, which is what Heath is talking about with identity and who we are and what we're about and what we're trying to accomplish. And then you hope that that gets married with having a great finish and, and taking us on a deep run. The farther we get, it feels like, in these types of tournaments, 
the more momentum and more inspiring it does for the next generation that they can be that next Tyler Adams. They can be that next Christian Pulisic. And, and that's super important. Just that visibility of continuing to play in big games with everybody watching, everybody caring. And I think that's what makes a big difference too, Heath, is you know in that moment that people that don't usually care are caring. And that, it can, that can be the spark for a kid too. Oh, look how much that person cares about what's happening with it's soccer. Olympic I wanna, treatment, I, right? It's like, that? I don't care about, it's the Olympics treatment. I don't care about right. archery, but if you tell me the story of why I should care, if you make me care, you go a layer deeper, I will care. I will buy into the hype. So the hype in itself, the sensationalism, some and media is a really weird word to use just as a general like encapsulation yeah. because it depends where you get your media, where you get your information, sure. who you're listening to, where what you have access to. But I will say just from a media hype standpoint, People that I've talked to that aren't American, aren't interested in anything American-related or U.S. national team-related, have known about a lot of these guys because of some of the hype globally now, right? They talk about Eunice Musa. They talk about Tyler Adams. They talk about Weston McKinney. They talk about uh, Anthony Robinson, Serginho Dest. And maybe they don't know a ton about them, but they know enough to know that like there's some quality there. And, oh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a dual national. Or that person plays at this club. Or all those things that are part of – that hype of, of setting high expectations. It, it, it is trickling out into the world, not just within our own um, borders. Yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting conversation. We appreciate that question. Obviously it can generate this conversation, but then can branch off into multiple conversations that, that can exist from this one. Yeah. I, I'm looking through a whole bunch of different questions here. And uh, there's one that stood out to me. This one's from Ben Washburn. And I know that he's been listening from the very beginning. We appreciate you, Ben. He said that he asked a question before about when we all knew that we made it as pros. And this time he's kind of asking, when and how did you know it was time to call it a career? How was the transition? For me, it was easy. I got a concussion and that was that. Um, or I had multiple concussions and I got one that I, I was 34. And <laughs> I'll give you my brief one. And yours, I know, is a little bit more complicated with a little more gray area. Mine was a little bit more black and white. Where I was 34, I was on a team at Chivas USA that wasn't, it was in a rebuilding phase. I'm not going to be called into the national team anymore. I just had my second my second daughter. You start to question, okay, what, what am I actually playing for? And is it worth the risk of continuing to get concussions and impacting the rest of your life? So it was pretty easy. Well, it took me a while to get there, but but uh, once you started yeah. to really think about it unemotionally, it's a pretty easy decision. So I don't know if you want to get into that. Maybe you've talked about it before. But the second question was, has Heath ever bent the – the brim on any of his hats. <laughs> yeah, I, try, I actually try it. The, most of these hats that I either get gifted or I buy are really, That's the most really, important question uh, here, I think. Really? Yeah. They're, they're tough, man. Like I, I, uh, I, um, yeah, I, I try to bend some of them, but some of them don't, um, actually bend very well. But, um, the, the to answer that other question in terms of retirement, um, Jimmy and your, your, your audio, oh, maybe you're muted now, but, um, in terms of, it sounds better at the moment, just so you know. Um, but you. Um, yeah, um, my retirement was not forced as much as yours was, but very similar in the fact that like MLS had put me into a box. And I don't say MLS, but the team that took my rights, Orlando City, had put me into this box evaluation that I was like, that's not worth it to play for me, right? And I didn't play for the money, but in terms of what I thought I was worth. So I had a conversation with Jurgen Klinsmann. I went to Gothenburg. I, I played the best that I could. Got sick before the season started. The team went on an unbeaten run. Didn't play much at all. And I just started spending time reflecting, going, like, what am I doing this for also, right? Because it, it physically, after breaking my tib-fib, I had a tib-fib fracture, 
I had a um, torn labrum in my hip where they shaved the bone down, repaired the thing and uh, put the, you know, I had a surgery through my knee. And so I'd gotten to the point where my whole right side was not responding the way that I was, right? I had my mind and my body on different pages. And I was like, this is a job now. So what am I doing this for? And, and Jimmy, just mm-hmm. like you, I knew I always wanted to get into the media space. I knew I wanted to, tr- like, I wanted to leave the game when somewhat, it was somewhat on my terms and not like you and I had talked to people on a weekly basis that come to us and say, hey, I want to work in, the, I, I, I'm, I'm, the game doesn't want me anymore. I want to work in soccer and I don't know what to do. And I'm 35 or I'm 40 and I have no experiences. I don't actually even know what I want to do yet. I just know I want to work in soccer. And you're like, well, that's a whole, like, that's an umbrella, right? You can work at a club. You could be on uh, media. You could work. There's thousands of capacities from data and, 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 and beyond. And I didn't want that. I knew what I wanted to do. And as soon as I felt like my value wasn't meeting the time and energy I was putting in, I observed my options. I had three or four options, like almost, I want to say money grab options in Asia and, and whatnot. And I was like, you know what? Uh, and you and I started talking right at that time. And you were like, hey, we're growing over here on this media side. You should do it. And at that time for me, I was like, I need to think on emotionally. Will I miss the game? Yes. But my days were getting longer and longer of just going out there to be able to train with a healthy mind. I wasn't as happy playing the game anymore. And I was like, I don't want to be that guy. And so I took the decision and never looked back. Yeah, no, you've done a great job. It's been pretty cool to see you uh, evolve and and transition as well as you have. It's not easy for a lot of players. And because your identity is wrapped up in being a player your whole life, and then that's taken away and it becomes very difficult to extract yourself from that and to become somebody different. I think the easiest thing and what I tell guys that are going through it or about to go through it is the sooner that you can accept you have to start from the bottom again, the easier life's going to be. And the fact, also another one that I would add is that nobody owes you anything. You feel like, oh, I played in the World Cup. I did this. I did that. And somebody owes you anything. They're like, oh, that's cool, man. That's really amazing. But you don't really actually have the skill set that we yeah. need to hire this position. So maybe get back to well, us and when you're, you do. You're 30s. And you're, like, and you're competing yeah, for a job against somebody who's 21, you know, right. and just and wants any job. Five years in school. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's so. it's it's uh, it's a fascinating process. I know a lot of guys are de- depressed while they're going through it. I was depressed as well until you start to kind of see the light. Uh, just it's something new and and how you can embrace it. And once you start to embrace it, then you can start to actually use the good habits and disciplines that made you a successful player into this new career. And then you just take off from there. But it takes a while to get to that point. All right, next question. This one's from Kendall. I think Kendall Letton Baum, who says, should our guys be seeking moves to Europe in leagues like the Eredivisie and in Portugal rather than the top five European leagues. And let's tie this into a question from fan three U.S. men's national team or USMNT. Which players or player do you see making a jump to Europe to stay in contention with the national team player pool? And I think those two are kind of intertwined, Heath. So so if a player does make a move from MLS, should they be looking at the Eredivisie in Portugal now that Ricardo Pepe is there and having success and, and Reggie Cannon plays in Portugal? Not that that helped either one of those two in particular, but do you think that's a nice, for me, it's a nice stepping stone league into yeah. something bigger without it. Maybe the stakes aren't as high. The pressure is a little bit different. It's seen as a bit of a growth and development league, as opposed to the other ones where you're expected to be a little bit more of a finished product. Yeah. I don't know what your thoughts are on this. Yeah, I fully agree. I mean, I wish I, I've said it for well, a decade now. I wish that uh, MLS would have an exclusive uh, transfer deal with the area Divisi for all players under a certain age, because I think it's the right place for them. The quality steps up, the technical abilities, the tactical abilities, the really understanding 
Uh, and it's a very particular style of play. Most of them play, but it's it's a it's a huge next step, high expectations. And then when you're in like the IX, the PSVs, you know, the 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 Finords of the world, the Asif Akmars, you know, and you almost have like five or six teams um, near the top uh, top uh, near the top um, that are worthwhile. There's also a high barrier of entry for a non non EU player, which is around a half million dollar salary. So that that limits to the number of clubs in, in Holland that can bring in players that may have changed uh, by now, either gone up or gone, gone down. I know it's lower if you're like 18 years old or under, under 19 or under whatever, 20. Uh, but I love that league. I think we've seen most of our Americans that go through that league go on to be pretty successful or have success in that league pen, uh, outside of Robbie Rogers, who, who didn't really like the Heron Vane move, but Michael Bradley was successful there. Josie Altador had his best years there. We're seeing um, Ricardo Pepe, most of these guys in the midfield and forward, but even for our defenders, like learning to build out of the back, passing, understanding the education of football. They train a lot. They train twice a day on at some of those clubs, like multiple times a week. And so it is a real soccer education that I wish people would go to. The other leagues like Portugal, it's it's circumstantial to me. You know, Belgium, mm -hmm. circumstantial. You got to be at the right club. Uh, you know, you go to Benfica, you go to Porto, you could get buried immediately. You go to a club... Um, too small and it might not be the right move. I put those into, I, you could pull like almost like 50 clubs in Europe that are sort of like Portuguese, Belgian could be the right move, could be the wrong move. Um, but What's definitely a, is a that, nice step if you take it. No, totally. I mean, we also saw that we had a couple of our players take a risk and go to Venezia in Serie A and when they got promoted and then they got relegated and now they're down in Serie B. Now they're probably playing more. You got John Luca, Busio and Tanner Tessman who are quality players and Tessman just hit a Tessman just recently, yeah, scored his first goal. Pe yeah. A peach of a free kick, by the yeah. way. But uh I think it's I don't know. When I've been in those situations and 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 had done that and I had an opportunity to go to Poland and play in like Poznan and fight relegation and learn all I mean you just you just kind of learn how to toughen up in, in a way that I don't think I could have found in MLS for a variety of reasons at that time in MLS. I toughened up in different ways because you you have to jump from playing with your friends at the youth level, the college level, and then you're jumping into a situation where you're, you're competing with your teammates to put food on the table. And that's a completely different mindset and mentality in terms of surviving. And not only surviving, once you figure out how to solve that, then it's thriving. And that, that exists everywhere. But it's a little different when you're an American going over to a country or a place that they don't really think you're very good. And so you have to overcome a lot of different things. And it's it's fascinating experience. And some sink and some swim. And uh, but ultimately, yes, I think that going to one of those leagues is a nice stepping stone into something bigger. But they have to take advantage of that into your especially point. You Jimmy You have to find a situation yeah. that, that yeah. lends itself to to growth. Yeah. And especially, you know, when I think about that, I think about like, oh, if Aaron Long wants to stay in the national team conversation, he's got to go to Europe and prove that he can play at that level consistently. Right. Um, I, I, the guys like that, that are like peak of their careers, they need to go out and show that they can still be relevant in the national. Team. When I think about young mm -hmm. players. That, that like exactly what you're mentioning is, is 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 a perfect way to put it because most of these kids are coming through their home systems now that they haven't been outside of that bubble yet and that mm -hmm. that nurtured environment is amazing but at a certain point you need to go out of that nurtured environment and and take the training wheels off and life is very different right when things go wrong you're not going home to your parents and your friends and your network and whatever you're going home to an uh, apartment in the winter time in Europe where it's dark at four o'clock and it's cold and you got nobody. Yes, the world, the connectivity of the world is different, but I think that's an important learning thing that we we know both of us know Mark McKenzie and others that are going through that, challenging themselves uh, to just get out of the the comforts of being quote unquote home.
No, I, I've heard from Mark McKenzie on that, and we've also heard from Eric Palmer Brown about how his transition has been, leaving Kansas City to Man City and then jumping all over the place to, to kind of figure out where he fits in and how he can survive, right? Surviving is one thing, thriving is another, right? These are two completely different things. And can you be put in a situation or can you find a situation where you can do both one step at a time and have the room and space to, to do that? Not every club is going to have that type of patience. Now, I want to talk Ricardo Pepe because I think it's important about another question we're going to have and if Greg Berhalter is still in charge, but we're going to do it right after our first and only break of the show. So we'll be right back right after this. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account. Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Welcome back to In Soccer We Trust. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Heath Pierce. No Charlie Davies. We don't know where he is, so you can just go ask him yourself on the Twitters or whatever you want to do. We're going to have a special Charlie Davies mailbag where we just sit here and listen to Charlie answer all the questions that he's been dodging this whole time, Charlie. Come on, Chuck Wagon. Now, we're doing another special mailbag episode. We appreciate your support, all the questions that we're getting. And now I'm kind of well, this has been a spark for another question that I have, Heath, for you and for everybody listening. And make sure you join the conversation and follow us on Twitter at ISWT Pod. We would love that. And it's really about Ricardo Pepe and Greg Berhalter. We talked a lot about Geo and Greg Berhalter, but if Greg Berhalter remains in charge, I wonder what that means for Ricardo Pepe and, and his attitude towards coming back into camp. Now, obviously, anytime you get called into the national team, you're honored. But there's got to be some beef there that exists. And maybe Zach Steffen as well. Like, how do you grow and move forward with those relationships? But I still think that both of those players, Steffen and, and Ricardo Pepe, can be valuable contributors to our team and our player pool moving forward. Now, there's a question that kind of got that going on as well. And this is from Jack, Jack Braz, who says, uh, I'm kind of tweaking his question, but he basically said, who from this World Cup roster do you think won't be called in again? And who will go the longest without another call-up? which we can answer those directly, but I kind of want it to frame it in some ways with, because we've had questions about Greg Berhalter, especially in our, our other mailbag episode. What do you do with, well, Gio Reyna coming back into the team is going to be obviously an interesting one, but you have Ricardo Pepe's and the Zach Steffens who probably feel like, especially after watching the World Cup, then, well, maybe not Zach Steffen, but I think that Ricardo Pepe thought, dude, what the F? I totally could have helped out the team, especially yeah. against Netherlands. Yeah, look, I, I, uh, Weirdly, in my own experience, right, when I was trying to um, make it in uh, under Bob Bradley uh, and didn't make the team in 2010, I went through all these things. I had most caps in, 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 in this period. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I had the most caps in 2008 and was it part of the team and whatever. When I didn't make the World Cup, I had put all my time and energy. Now I was proud for a lot of reasons and all these things. But when 2010 happened, I said, 
success of the World Cup, supported the national team. And this is a very honest truth of how I felt. I said, I'm waiting now for Bob Bradley to get fired. And when mm. the U.S. lost in the Gold Cup final and Bob Bradley was let go, I said, my national team career has, has, has a chance. And that was the truth because I knew my period was gone. I wasn't part of the plans. I hadn't been called in up to that point. And then the Gold Cup happened. He was let go. And I was called in again by, by um, Jurgen Klinsmann for, for the Mexico game. And I remember that um, because of the fact of, of how I felt. There was no ill will towards Bob Bradley. He took the team that he thought was going to give him the best chance. Bob and I have continued to have a relationship to this day. But I knew he has to go before I can come back, right? And, and that was the truth. I never got called in again, um, at least from what I remember. I could, that could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. I hadn't been called in. I think you would Jürgen remember. Klinsmann. That stays with you. Yeah. Jurgen Klinsmann came in, a Mexico game. I didn't play in that match. And then we had uh, a couple games after that. And that was sort of as my hip injury before my surgery and all the things started to really kind of fall apart for me physically. Um, <clears throat> but I remember that being the, the case in my mind, which was I wasn't rooting for Bob to get fired. I wasn't actively sure, hoping the sure, team dude. lost. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't ha- actively hoping the team lost, but I knew – my hope rested on his transition out, you know, because he mm-hmm. had options that he preferred over me. And I know Bob respected me as a player. I know he liked me as a player, but he had his options. And so I held that in me until I got my chance to get called up, which only happened when Jurgen Klinsmann was, was the coach again. And, and so I guess with regard to Ricardo Pepe and Zach Steffen, they're much, they're, they're, they're younger, maybe not Zach Steffen at that point, but like Ricardo Pepe, for example, he's going to have to deal with heartbreak, right? He's going to have to deal with heartbreak and go back and prove himself. Because like you said, when you retired, Jimmy, no one cares that Ricardo Pepe's scoring goals right now. Only Ricardo mm-hmm. Pepe cares. You can come into the national team and you show any sort of bad attitude. They'll go, get out. No one cares. You're going to carry yeah. that baggage. And we all carry a ton of baggage. But you got to leave that, like, right when you cross that white line onto the field, you got to leave it. Or right when you get to the thing. So I think for me – there's going to be some of that emotional baggage um, that's that you've got to work through. But him not playing in Augsburg is going to be something that builds his character. Him scoring goals now is going to be like, okay, I can build on this. Him not going to a World Cup, which I think is shocking to me still to this day, is going to be something where he's going to have to go, well, I'm going to make sure he can turn that into a negative where he can say, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that 2026, I'm on that, that I guess it's not a plane, we're home, but like we're on the, whatever it is, you know. Well, trip. there's a lot of markets. We'll be yeah. flying all over the yeah. country. So yeah. yes, there'll be some plane rides for What's sure. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think that, yes, there was a moment, too, where I wanted Bob to get fired that I, for the same reasons, because I knew that he wasn't looking at me in the same way anymore, and that my best chance to get in was for that to happen. And I wouldn't be surprised if Ricardo Pepe and Zach Steffen are thinking the exact same things. And I don't hold that against them. It makes perfect sense to me. That's a, a, a normal human response to this situation, especially when you had your own hopes and dreams dashed by this particular person. And it so would be like, Jimmy, it would be like going into a world cup final, hoping we tie somebody has to lose, <laughs> right? Like somebody like this is the give and take of, of, of life. Like in order for me to have this, this has to like, this is mm-hmm, if this, mm-hmm. then that, you know? And, and right. yeah. So, so yeah, but ultimately as we've talked about with Gio over a couple podcasts now, it's still going to be on the player. Right, you yeah. control two things. You control your performance and you control your attitude. You can't control anything else. And so if your attitude isn't good, then that's probably going to impact your performance and that's not on any coach. That's that's on the player. And so 
Yes, to your point, that Ricardo Pepe gets called in. Which is Zach's really hard, by the way. It's really it is hard. hard. It's easy to say it you control hard. this, you control that, but it's very hard to do. Right, but the ones that can figure it out are yeah. the ones that stick ones around that and have the longest the careers. Yeah. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Because they go from surviving to thriving, and they figured out a way to manage the highs and lows. And they, they for me, the, the best players that I've been around, or, or the best pros, let me say this, the best pros I've been around are the ones that know how to minimize the lows and maximize the highs. And again, easy, easy to say, incredibly hard to do. And, and I think that's what you see with younger players is that they swing so hard both ways. When they're high, man, they are so high. When they're low, they are so low. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing with Gio right now to kind of use him as an example to describe that. But when he's low, you can see it. And everybody knows that he's low. But somebody that's been around for five or six years and has gone through a couple of lows, they know how to manage that a little bit better. And they know how to minimize the impact that that'll have on their performance, which is what they can control. So we just went all full, full circle. I would say that, that yeah, that, that's what I, I guess ultimately I would kind of finish with, with regard to the players and, and Ricardo Pepe situation. But now I'm kind of curious to finish up that question by Jack in terms of who would you, who do you think is not going to get called up again from this team? That play. I, mean, I think there's a. It's it's. I mean, that's. This is so hard to speculate on because. It's oh, no, of course, of course. Not, but like you know. I mean, there's obvious. There's easy about, I don't think Tim Ream's going to get called back in again. There's no reason. Yeah. He's 35. We're not going to rely on any. On, on. I mean. Yeah, I think if there's something in this, I, I I think if we're looking at the spring European friendlies, Yedlin. like yeah, you bring him in. I I would say I would say it's a, another fresh opportunity to bring in. You know the 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 fresh young blood. I think Greg Berhalter played a lot of young players and got them a ton of experience. If you if you go back to that, we lost Robinson. You know along the way, um, who else did we lose to to, to injuries um, in the in this process? Chris Richards. Chris Richards. I mean, these are guys that were getting big opportunities. Chris Richards wasn't even before he was playing consistently and getting those minutes. You know, the moment he started getting consistent minutes at Hoffenheim, he was in. Uh, Robinson, before he got hurt, he was getting those minutes. Like these guys were getting crucial minutes that were huge for their development and growth. And so I would say any of the older guys are, are I guess, are probably out because you need them. We didn't need them in the Nations League. We didn't need them in Gold Cups. You need them in a World Cup. But by then, we'll probably have a bunch of guys like uh, uh, Tyler Adams and whatever that can be all the leadership you need and experience you need, you know, like a Tim Ream has, bring what he brings to the table, both on the field and off. Uh, so yeah, I, I, it's, it's really hard to say. I'd say guys deep in the bench are probably on the fringes because there's going to be a Mihailovic coming in and others that are going to get fresh opportunities, um, in the new year. What about you? Anybody stand out Jimmy specifically? Well, no, I mean the, the old guys for sure. I mean, I think that yeah. I'm kind of curious once miles Robinson comes back into the team, once Chris Richards gets healthy as well. Uh, once there's some of our other younger center backs start to emerge and get more minutes wherever clubs that are playing in, Eric Palmer Brown, Mark McKenzie, like these guys, what is there room for Aaron Long? I would guess even Zimmerman, Zimmerman, Long, like Zimmerman, a lot of these Long. guys are going to be it get really hard to expect them in three and a half years from now. Maybe one of them is an outlier in that case, but you've got a pipeline right, of right, young right. players that you can use your caps on valuably. Now, you don't owe anybody any caps. We've learned that, right? But if they're playing regularly and they are players that are going to be useful, they get that at the club level, but you also want to get them international matches. And so I could see any of the veterans going out, a lot of the, you know, Roldan's Morris, a lot of these guys that are, aren't the youngest in the team. Maybe Roldan has, has, has a little more time, but um, I'll say, I, I'll I, say I my, see most of them out. 
no, I'll just say that I think that Haji Wright could be a player, as crazy as this might be, that he has more knockout round goals in the World Cup than Cristiano Ronaldo. But but I, I'm just not convinced on him yet. And if he didn't get called back in again, I wouldn't be surprised. Would it be harsh? It would be incredibly harsh. And, and does he have room to grow? Of course he does. But if he didn't get called back in, I wouldn't be surprised either because – Well, like called back in like now – yeah, yeah well, but he's, he's, I mean, he's a guy like PFOC that you just go like, okay, prove it to me at a higher level. Go to a higher level at the club level. Make yourself indispensable in terms of your quality and form, right? PFOC he, did do that and didn't get called yeah. back in, which is crazy. Yeah, but, but then we we also saw a, a dip in form, which everybody has, and that was, I think, leveraged. Yeah, right, but even, right. prior to, even prior to yeah. the dip in form. Yeah, he was, he was never, it went, it went to make a difference, yeah. yeah. I mean, it just would have been interesting, especially because we ended up with more crosses than most of the teams in the in the world cup that uh we didn't have a guy that's pretty good at finishing those yeah. but um guess what heath what it's the end of the show we're having a really quick oh. mailbag we, we want to make sure that everybody else you know ha- has time to a- ask some questions so we can do more mailbags we're just trying to convince the producers we should have more mailbag episodes that's really what we also want jimmy we also want people to just enjoy enjoy the holiday period you know like that's true you know enjoy yourself we're, we take and a don't enjoy eggnog eggnog is terrible anybody that says yeah. eggnog is good i question who they are and what they're about and how they were raised. <laughs> eggnog yeah. is terrible. Are, are you a, a Bloody Mary guy by chance? Also? No, no, me neither. Both those things out, ban them. Out, ban them. Shouldn't be a part of any hol- hol- if, holiday. If Qatar, if Qatar said no eggnog and no and no um um whatever I just said, Bloody Marys, Bloody Mary. I'd be like, no problem. I can I can, <laughs> I can do it. All right, everybody, that is the end of the show. So on behalf of our wonderful producers, Des and Alex, and of course, on behalf of Hollywood Heath Pierce, I'm Jimmy Conrad saying thank you for listening and watching In Soccer We Trust. And we can't wait to see you next time, maybe with or without Charlie Davies. We'll have to wait and see. See you guys. We'll have to wait and see.